It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's a, a sports, sports rush, rush with Brett Rook. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Clark, 11 yards, touchdown! Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The weekend let's get into it buckle up enjoy the ride the next two hours it's the sports rush your daily local sports fix four to six i am brett rump back in the captain's chair along with adam lundy a couple of days away big thanks to john nolan filling in on wednesday and the coach shannon griffith who jumped in the chair yesterday good to be back and get my say in until we before we go into this Big weekend of sports, you know. A lot of things happening with the NFL getting into the playoffs with the super wildcard weekend. And then you've also got uh, Pacers basketball with home games tonight and tomorrow night. And tomorrow night, John Conchar makes his closest appearance of the season to Fort Wayne. And uh, I know there'll be a lot of fans going down. I still want to go. So if anybody's got an extra ticket, they don't know what to do with. <laughs> yeah, I really do. I, I, I. I tried to, you know, when we had the uh, casino night for men's basketball, mm-hmm. I put in a significant bid to get the John Conchar experience, which was uh, lower bowl seats for the Grizzlies Pacers. It was a meet and greet with Conchar after the game, all that stuff. And I thought, if I'm going to donate, I'm going to get something I like that I want. And so I thought that would be a fun experience. Okay, and I, the money goes to a good cause. It supports men's basketball program at Purdue Fort Wayne, and so uh, I I had a bid, and I actually was the top bidder up until two minutes before the the uh, the bidding closed, and I was outbid. And unfortunately, I went to casino night, forgot to take my phone, and so the alert that I had been outbid, I didn't receive until I got home at like eleven o'clock. So I am ticketless for tomorrow night. And and there's no Mastodon game this weekend. Imagine that. It's so odd. We were just down there last night, of course, for the Mastodons and IUPUI. And uh, and the Dons roll over the Jaguars. That's a program that's kind of down right now. But they are building. They've got a lot of freshmen that they're kind of building their core around. And they'll uh, they'll improve. But right now, they are finding it very difficult to get wins in the Horizon League. Now, 0-7 in league play. But uh, I I thought I'd go back down to Indianapolis a couple days later and watch Pacers-Grizzlies tomorrow night. We'll have, uh, won't we have that, will we have the game tomorrow night? Uh, No, we've got, uh, we've got the NFL football this weekend. Yeah, playoff football taking a little bit of priority. The, because it's because it's not just the wild card. It's the super, it's the super wild, wild card. card yeah, they've added that extra team. And so you've got uh, coming up tomorrow, the NFC wild card, Seahawks versus the 49ers. And then the AFC game, Chargers, Jaguars. 
will be uh, the game at 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Um, and then on Sunday, we've got the Dolphins, Bills, Giants, Vikings, Ravens, Bengals. In that order, Cowboys and Buccaneers will finish things off on Monday night. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. You know what today is? Friday? Friday the 13th. Oh. The day spooky. that horror films are made of. Yeah. You know, are I, you superstitious at all? Not really. I had a birthday on a Friday the 13th once because I was uh, born on the 13th. And nothing bad happened. Oh, really? Nothing. <laughs> on your birthday? Yeah. It was my <laughs> eighth birthday. No one wanted to come to your party. It's like, oh, I ain't doing anything on Friday the 13th. It yeah. is Friday the 13th. And, yeah. and uh, I I, uh, I didn't have the, the best call of my day this morning, starting my day. But uh, overall, got through the day okay. But are, do you do things differently because it, it, are there certain things you will or won't do on Friday the 13th that normally would never affect you? I mean, that's. That's kind of the question. Like you said, you've just kind of gone business as usual, never I, been affected by it. I didn't even realize it was a Friday the 13th until I came in here today and I saw it on our, our, our schedule here. You know, do you think, in other words, do you avoid things that might have mm -hmm. high risk mm -hmm. or higher than, in other words, it's like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it today. It's Friday the 13th. I'll wait till tomorrow. Um, it, do you change your way of thinking or change your routine because of Friday the 13th? Let us know, 46862. What are anything, anything that you might change? Um, we mentioned the Mastodons last night. Jared Godfrey, another 20-plus point night. He led the way with 22 points for the Mastodons. Godfrey ended up hitting four of nine from distance. The big story, though, was he was two for three at the free throw line. Now, normally you would think two for three at the free throw line. What's the story there? Well, the story is he missed one. Jared Godfrey had not missed a free throw in Horizon League play. He had made like 37 consecutive free throws in Horizon League games so far this year. And so that miss, his lone miss in uh, league play last night. But he finished with 22 points, also added a couple of assists and three rebounds. Uh, Deontay Billups, who's been in a little bit of a funk, a little bit of a shooting funk. I, I don't know if you call it a slump. Because Billups can go hot and cold, but he was uh, three for eight from distance as the Mastodons got 11 three-pointers en route to the 70-55 to win over IUPUI. Jaguars led by the, uh, I believe he went to Arizona State originally, and then he transferred to Northern Illinois, and then transferred to IUPUI. Chris Austin, they're big. He was six for eight from the field, finished with 12 points, eight rebounds. But um, but the Mastodons improved their record on the season to 12 and six. They are now four and three in Horizon League play, and they have the weekend off because of that that weird three three team round robin when you play your travel partner IUPUI, who doesn't have a travel partner, kind of uh, joins the party. And so the Dons played Cleveland or played IUPUI last night. IUPUI plays Cleveland State tomorrow. Cleveland State then makes the road trip up I-69 after playing the Jaguars and will play the Mastodons on Monday night at the Coliseum. And we'll have that action for you here on 1380 The Fan at 100.9 FM. And, of course, also tonight, Purdue basketball. Uh, kind of a special night for programming here because we've got Purdue basketball on the airwaves at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. High school basketball on a stream. There's a, a special tab that you can find by 
pointing your browser to the direction of 1380thefan.com and click on to listen to high school basketball. We've got a really big one starting at 6 o'clock as uh, Homestead Snyder will do battle tonight. Girls basketball at 6, boys basketball follows, and then, of course, the postgame show. You're not on the postgame show tonight. No, I'm not. Yeah, I have uh, the night off. Uh, actually, no, I don't. I'm doing comments tonight. But uh, <laughs> you thought you had the night off. I, I, I forgot. I, I got subbed in for comments tonight. But uh, yeah, no, no post game for me tonight. It'll be uh, Caleb. It'll be Caleb Hatch and Michael McIntyre, along with Eric Dute, Dute Kevich, on the Parkview Sports Medicine High School Basketball Post Game Show, and that's coming to you live from the Northwood Pizza Hut. You know, that's just down the road. They might have a visitor Uh-oh. if they've got some pizza. They might get a visitor <laughs> tonight. Yeah. I keep threatening to come. You do, but then you don't. But then I don't. I decide, <laughs> yeah, they're, and, yeah, they're not. Nah. Yeah, they're not worth you know going out in the cold and everything. <laughs> I, I'll see them at work on Monday. Exactly. I, I don't have to go out and see them tonight. No, nah. not worth the free pizza. Um, well, you know, the pizza sometimes is tempting. There you go. But uh, but you guys, not not so much. No. <laughs> Uh, but Michael McIntyre and uh, Caleb Hatch together with the postgame show and Eric Dute, Dute Kevich with all of his inside analysis. And that will wrap up our night. And, and the whole reason I was bringing up the postgame show is because it will be on the regular airwaves after Purdue plays Nebraska. So it will be a high school postgame after the Purdue basketball game. Um, and, and it was kind of one of those things where, okay, do we put the high school games and the post game all on the stream, but the, the radio will be open once Purdue ends. And so we might as well just go ahead and put the high school post game show onto the regular radio. So as you leave your, your basketball venues tonight, make sure you tune in to 1380, the fan and 100.9 FM to check out. The Parkview Sports Medicine High School Basketball Post Game Show live from the Northwood Pizza Hut. And, of course, all of our high school basketball coverage all year long presented by the fine people at Indiana Physical Therapy. Uh, Comets have a busy weekend. You mentioned that you're going to be on the controls tonight. The Comets have a have a wild one. They've got Wheeling tonight. Then they move on to Toledo for a road game tomorrow night. And then they finish at home on Sunday Against the Indy Fuel. By the way, I heard a rumor. Do we have tickets or no? Did we give those away? We do have uh, tickets. We, we did one yesterday. We had a, we a four-pack yesterday, but we have a four-pack. See, I don't know. I lose touch when I'm gone. There you go. But yes, uh, we do have a four-pack of tickets to give away to the 21st game. By the way, when uh, just a, a quick heads up. When I, uh, when I get an email that's about anything that happens on this show, and I see that it is addressed to me and you, <laughs> I may or may not even open the email. <laughs> I'm kind of like, that's something for Adam to worry about. I'll just let Adam tell me what we've got to give away. So we do have tickets to give away. Yes, we do. Well, we still, okay, now correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm just talking on live radio. We do have Shrine Circus tickets. Yes, we do. We have a four pack to the uh, Mitzvah Shrine Circus. Wow. So we've got two prizes to give away today. Man, it is a busy Friday. I'm glad I came back. There you go. I could have just stayed in Indy (laughs) and then waited for the game tomorrow night and hoped to pick up a ticket on my way in somewhere uh, (laughs) so I could see the the Pacers and the Grizzlies. 
you always, I, I, it's always weird looking at you because I'm on the back of the computer, so I know you're looking at the computer, and sometimes you're smiling, and some, and it's like I don't know what you're reading, but well, right now I'm just looking at the ticket information, but I'm just laughing at what you're saying. Okay, Parkview <laughs> Sports Medicine text line. Let us know what's on your mind. I one reason that I was glad to get back into the chair, and I missed being here yesterday, was I watched that Indiana game against Penn State on Wednesday night. And you saw a team that played hard. They played hungry. They played as if they were on a mission. They were cohesive. They were coached well. And that team was not the Indiana Hoosiers. All of the things that Indiana should be with superior talent and they shouldn't show up and have inferior hustle, enthusiasm. I mean, it just seems to me like they're going through the motions a little bit. Their closeouts are weak, very weak. I mean, unbelievable that on the scout, you had to know that a couple of the Penn State guys make a career out of three-pointers. And the, the Hoosiers somehow lost them in rotations. I mean, that's, I, I, I don't, you know, I, my problem here right now is you've got players who aren't putting forth the effort and we're smart enough basketball fans to be able to watch it even on TV and know that that is not 100% effort. How hard you're hustling back on defense, how hard you're fighting through screens, how hard you're closing out on a guy when they do make that extra pass. All of those things are, are things that we can witness and we can see that this team that has been as frustrating as it has been over the last couple of weeks doesn't seem to have the urgency that the fans have in getting it turned around. And it's not going to get any easier for Indiana. Penn State's a good basketball team, and they play well at home. But we're talking about the Indiana Hoosiers. They should at least be competitive. And if they lose, it should be something that comes down to a final shot. And we've seen those years where the the uh, Hoosiers have lost close games at Penn State. But nothing like what we saw on Wednesday night. Hoosiers got their doors blown off. They didn't look mentally prepared as far as as uh, their their defensive schemes and what they were prepared to do with their scout against the personnel of Penn State. Far too often leaving shooters almost uncontested with open shots. You, uh, again, Trace Jackson Davis, you know, when you when you talk about the Indiana Hoosiers, it all starts with Trace Jackson Davis. And uh, 10 shots, probably not enough. And, oh, you can say, Race Thompson's hurt, and I think if Race Thompson was on the floor, that'd make a big difference. Indiana Hoosiers have plenty of depth. In fact, we went into this season not even sure who would be the starting five. Is Jordan Geronimo going to take that leap and be ready to take over a starting role? Well, he got it. Ended up with six points. Uh, Hoosiers end up giving up 37 in the first half, which we thought was a big number for a Penn State team that's not exactly someone that uh, lights the scoreboard like a slot machine. And in the second half, the Nittany Lions scored 48 
points. They ended up 18 for 31 from three. Seven threes apiece for Seth Lundy and Andrew Funk, a couple of guys that specialize in three-point shooting. How did they get 12 looks to feel comfortable enough to shoot from beyond the arc? That's the question. Now, I didn't go back and look at what Penn State's numbers were shooting threes against Purdue. But I'll bet, number one, they had a lot more difficulty getting a three-point shot. Because I can assure you, Purdue, a smart basketball team, very well coached, probably knew when they took the floor who the keys were from behind the arc. And Lundy and Funk would be two of the guys that are going to be keys. Now, Jalen Pickett, he can score everywhere. So, I mean, yeah, Pickett was uh, Pickett was two for two from distance. But Pickett's a guy that if you close out, he'll drive you to the basket. and He's strong enough to overpower you at the rim. So, I I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to say anything about Pickett's couple of threes. But seven for twelve. You had, I mean, if you look at the percentages. 7 for 12, 7 for 12, 2 for 2, 1 for 1, 1 for 1. I mean, you know, you had a lot of guys that felt very comfortable shooting from the three-point line. The difference at the three-point line against Penn State, 18 makes for the Nittany Lions, 4 for the Indiana Hoosiers. Okay, that's a difference of 14 three-pointers. That's a lot to overcome. That's, yeah. that's 42 points if you haven't done the math. 42 points, the the uh, the Hoosiers were outscored at the three-point line. And just kind of looking here at the defense between Indiana and Purdue, when Purdue went into Penn State, they only allowed uh, the Nittany Lions to shoot 36% from the three, as opposed to Indiana going in and allowing Penn State to shoot 58% from the three. And uh, what was Penn State, how many shots did Penn State get from the three against Purdue? Um, just a second here. They of course, took, they were yeah, playing from behind. Only, so they probably t- only 22 and they took 22. They got 31 against Indiana. So they took more and made a higher percentage of them. That tells you how comfortable they were getting their three-point shots. A uh, lot, lot of work to do. I mean, I, I'm starting to see, and I know it's been talked about because by the time I got back in here to talk about it, it's, uh, you know, it's two days old. But I'm starting to see traits of Mike Woodson's lack of knowledge for the college game. Late game situations, some of the plays that are drawn up are very NBA centric. Two man game, ball screen, isolation, different things like that. And, you know, the NBA game probably has a little bit of a reputation that it's more about offense than it is about defense. And I think right now that's kind of what the Hoosiers are showing us. But you just wonder um, is Mike Woodson too much? NBA, not enough college, because one of the reasons Dane Fife is not on that coaching staff is because Dane Fife wanted to bring more of the college game into the Indiana program. In other words, those are things that work in the NBA, but they're not going to work in the college game. And Mike Woodson and Dane Fife basically had issues with some of the conflicts, and uh, eventually it led to Dane Fife not being on the bench anymore at Indiana University. And uh, and so what Mike Woodson has is he's got yes men. Nobody challenging him. Dane Fife challenged him. Dane Fife lost his job. So guess what's going to be on the bench now? A bunch of yes men 
for Mike Woodson because they don't want to lose their job. And that that isn't even healthy for a coaching staff. One of the reasons you bring in assistants who you value and you trust is because you want to be challenged as a head coach and always have a way that maybe you can do it better. Mike Woodson doesn't want to be challenged. He's got his beliefs, he's got his philosophies, and he's going to stick with them through blank and high water. 46862 is Parkview Sports Madison text line, 46862. Uh, Boilermaker is a big one tonight. Also, this is going to be odd because there is actually a local tie to the Stetson-Bellerman game that took place last night. And I'll give you that local tie and tell you why it's important. Also, Jim Ursay is speaking, not actually talking, but this time in written form. He has released a letter to Colts fans, and it's almost made things worse. We will tell you about that. We've also got Ball State coach Michael Lewis joining us. Chirp, chirp, Ball State fans. Don't want to get too far from the radio because the men's basketball coach Michael Lewis will be joining us. Coming up at about 4.35, hour number two, Dustin Dopirak from the Indy Star to talk Pacers basketball. What a busy, busy day on a Friday here on the Sports Rush. This is Mike Nutter, team president of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. And you're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. Brett Rupp with Adam Lundy, 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. To get a text come in that came in about the Indiana defense and about how last year this team was such a good defensive team. What has happened and changed? Go ahead, Adam. Give us that text. Yeah, they said, what I don't get is four of the five starters for the majority of the year or the starters from last year's team that was the best defensive team in the Big Ten. They added Jalen, who was a five-star recruit, and somehow they're one of the worst defensive teams in the Big Ten this year. Doesn't really make sense. I will explain it. There is a real key to your defensive success, especially if you are a man-to-man team, that starts with your point guard defensively. And... The Mastodons have seen this improvement over the last two years because they recruited Damian Shanqui, who is an outstanding position first point guard defensively. And what he does is he cuts off penetration. You don't get clean penetration where a point guard can break you down on one step, one bounce and be around your edge. Xavier Johnson is supposed to be that guy. And last year, I thought Xavier Johnson was that guy in taking away some penetration from point guards. But here's the problem. If you are not stopping the opponent's point guard from penetrating, and sometimes it's a point guard, sometimes on a switch, you might end up on a wing because Indiana does switch quite a bit on screens. But if that perimeter ball handler is able to beat you on the bounce and get into the paint you now have four other defenders that have to react to it and we have seen this over and over again and sometimes indiana even overreacts to it but you'll have a guy who beats his man on the perimeter a defender maybe it's trace jackson davis maybe a race thompson when he's out there but a defender that will then come up to take ball as the guy drives into the paint. 
That leaves a big that now is open at the basket. What happens? A perimeter defender rotates down low to take the big, and now there is a guy standing all alone outside the three-point arc. All of this happened because your point guard got beat on the bounce. You cannot allow, in the college game, you cannot allow point guard penetration. You have got to cut the guy off individually, one-on-one, keep your body in good position. This is what I said the other day when I said Indiana plays defense with their arms and not with their hips and legs. In other words, what they do is is they move with the guy, but they're constantly reaching and trying to catch up and hope to block a shot. But they're out of position, and they force their teammates to then react. And when their teammates react, then someone else has to rotate. When someone else rotates, that's generally pulling a defender off the perimeter, and you leave a shooter open. And then Indiana's closeouts are very weak and they're not aggressive enough, and it leaves shooters space so that they're comfortable taking those three-point shots, much like what Penn State did. And, uh, you know, you get the same thing when you've got comfortable shooters like Iowa, Penn State, teams that like to shoot it, and you make them comfortable when you rotate, and eventually a guy doesn't have an aggressive closeout coming at him, and he's got a good look at the basket. And and so there is a lot that happens with that point guard position. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. So Jim Irsay's released a letter to the fans. Isn't this nice? Because it's basically Jim Irsay saying, Chris Ballard got his chance to speak to the media. I didn't have a chance to talk, but I'm the one that's ultimately in charge. So I believe I should talk to the fans. And so he puts out this letter that's posted at Colts.com. And it says, as always, thanks for your loyal support and your love of the horseshoe. Over the past 39 seasons in Indy, you've stood with us, investing precious time, money, and energy through all the ups and downs that come with being a fan. And that's what makes Colts Nation the best fans anywhere. I appreciate each and every one of you more than you'll ever know. And he goes on to talk about the history of the Colts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But he goes on to say, as I've always said, the responsibility for making us better ultimately falls on me. Wait a minute. Isn't that the exact same thing we just heard from Chris Ballard? That the responsibility and the accountability falls on me? The responsibility for making us better, which is basically a personnel quote, falls on me. Our off-season work's already begun, which includes, listen to this, searching for a next head coach. Okay, that's a general manager responsibility. The owner may approve it, but it is a responsibility for the general manager. Preparing for a draft in April. Again, scouting department, general manager responsibility, but Jim Ursay is saying that this is something he's doing. And continuing to bolster the talented core of players already on our roster. Again, that is a general manager responsibility that Chris Ballard should be the one doing. Basically, what Jim Ursay is saying is, I'm the one making the calls now. I'm the one calling the shots. And Chris Ballard got up there and took responsibility, but it's on me and I'm the one running this team. I'm the one making decisions. It's a joke. It's, I mean, Jim Ursay has to back off. If Chris Ballard's willing to be the face of these decisions and this organization, let him be the face. Don't get into this tug of war or power struggle of, no, I'm the one that's calling the shots. I'm the one that's doing this. 
46862 Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Take a quick break. we got Ball State coach Michael Lewis joining us next right here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Coming up in hour number two, Dustin Dopirak from the Indy Star joins us to talk Pacers basketball. Right now, it's our pleasure to welcome back to the program Ball State men's basketball coach Michael Lewis. Coach, it's great to have you. I know we had you in December, and your team went on a nice little run. I had a little win streak, so I thought, all right, coming off a loss, better have him on again, get you a few wins, because we take responsibility for things like that, you know? Yeah, well, I, I hope it works out that way. I appreciate it. <laughs> Coach, uh, let's talk about this team because everything was going really well. And, of course, it's so difficult when you get into conference play to win every single game. And so there's going to be some ups and downs. You had one against Ohio. You started so well, though. You took that lead. Things were going your way in that first half. And then that final five-minute stretch of that first half, you just couldn't find the bucket. What What was the key to that stretch for your basketball team? But I, I look, um, I saw the game a little bit different. I didn't, even when we were up 12, I did not feel we were playing particularly well. Um, you know, execution wise, offensively, assignment wise, defensively. Um, you know, I felt like we were giving them a lot of open opportunities, really kind of the same opportunities that they got in the second half. They just made them in the second half. And I just, I didn't, I just didn't like, um, our focus, our attention to detail, or our preparation for that game, and and it showed. And I was really disappointed in in um, you know how we prepared to play that game, and and I I think it it really hurt us. Um, you know, obviously there were some things um, that we didn't do particularly well um, in that game that contributed to, to the loss. But uh, I just didn't like our work and our preparation heading into that game. Um, and uh, so we've tried to try to refocus here a little bit in the last few days and, and get back to playing basketball the way we're capable of. I know one of the things coaches never want to say is that, uh, you know, you get uh, you can learn from a loss. But, you know, sometimes a humble, little humble pie doesn't hurt a team to kind of get them refocused and get that energy back and realize that there's a pretty fine line between winning and losing. And a lot of that is mental and just your preparation on how well you're ready to play. Did you see any of that in your team? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, you know, as we've talked about what we want to accomplish, um, you know, not only with this particular team, but it, uh, as we build this program as a whole, um, you know, we talk a lot about learning how to win. And, you know, you, you alluded to our win streak, and I think we peeled off seven in a row and uh, really felt good about the way we were playing, even though each game was a little bit different, felt like we were improving and, um, you know, on Tuesday at Ohio, I felt like we took a step back. And so part of learning how to win, once you do that, you also got to, you got to learn how to handle success. And, and, um, you know, that's, <clears throat> that's difficult. And it's a, you know, unfortunately, it's not really a step you can skip, uh, when you're building a program. And, and, uh, I tried to get that message through. Obviously, it didn't get received. And I've got to, I've got to find different ways and methods to, to make sure that our guys are getting the message that they, they need to be able to compete at the highest level. Jared Coleman seems to be kind of the, I don't know if he's the heart of the team. Uh, I just love the way that he plays. He can score. He can get teammates involved. What does he bring to you? How much do you lean on him, and what's the keys to his success? Yeah, he's he's playing, um, you know, some good basketball. And I think the thing that, that he's done um, the most for us is he's he's improving as a leader. Um, you know, he's, you know, he's got an alpha male type personality. He's got a voice in the locker room. He's got a voice on the floor. Um, you know, he's, 
you know, he's evolving as a leader, and I think his leadership is key for us if we're going to be become the team that we feel like we can we can become. And um, you know, because he's a talented player, you know, he can do a lot of different things on the on the basketball court. Um, you know, I think he's starting to make better decisions um, both with his, both with his shot selection and his passing. Um, he's becoming a better defender, um, and he's you know, in, in doing so, he's just becoming a, a much much more efficient basketball player, which is, you know, something that, that he's needed to do. So he's, he's taking some big steps in, in that area, and obviously he's a, he's a key for our team. Coach Michael Lewis, Ball State Cardinals, joining us here on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. Coach, you've probably heard uh, other people talk that teams take on the personality of their coach, but you just brought up something, and I, I want to ask you about it because you've been involved as a player, as an assistant coach, now as a head coach. Do teams take on the personality of their coach, or are they more likely to take on the personality of whoever's leading the locker room? I think it's a combination of both, and I think your really good teams are when you know you have a leader in the locker room that also reflects um, the leader of the program, and and I think um, you know that's why um, you know I'm pleased with what Boogie's bringing from a a leadership standpoint is, you know, he, he's a very intelligent basketball player. Like he understands the game. He's got a really good feel for the game. Um, and as him and I spend more time together, he's, he's starting to see things sometimes the way I see it. And, and I may see things a little bit more the way he sees it. And we're getting on the same page. And, um, you know, I think, um, you know, like I said, he's, he's a dynamic player and he can do a lot of different things for us. Um, but I, I think, you know, just, you know, his understanding of the game um, and being able to relay that, um, you know, to, to his teammates has been a huge growth for him and our team. I know we talk personality of teams, but also identity. And it's kind of interesting when you look at their scores because you've gone from everything from a 58-54 game against Georgia Southern to a 90-83 game against Toledo. What is your identity? Is there a style you're more comfortable with? Well, I hope our style is, is, is winning. You know, that's the style that we want. You know, we want to win. Um, I, I, that's something that I like about this team is our versatility. You know, we can win a game 90-83. We can win a game 58-54. Um, there's not a lot of teams um, that have that ability to do that. And I, I think, um, you know, obviously we've shown we do. Um, you know, and, and so, like, you, you know, getting a game with Toledo and it's up and down and then, you, you know, you've got to score to, to keep up with them. You know, I, I didn't think our, our defense was particularly that bad in that game when we gave up 83 points. You know, you give up 83 points to somebody else and your, your defense is going to be really, you know, really bad. Um, you know, in the 58-54 game, you're talking with Georgia Southern. It was a lower possession game. Um, you know, they, they, they controlled the ball offensively. They did some different things defensively that frustrated us and we were able to, grind out a win so um you know that's that is something that i really like about this team is our is our versatility to be able to win games in different ways coming up tomorrow uh you're going to be back at home and you've got uh, miami coming in first of all uh at home having uh the, the seeing the crowd starting to respond to this basketball team and and appreciating the success that you're having that has to feel good for you as the coach to know that the culture isn't changing just in the locker room. The culture is changing with the fan base too. No, we're we're excited about that, and it's you know obviously it's very appreciated. I think that's something that 
um, you know, when, when we came here. And when I say we, I'm talking about our staff and, and everybody in the uniform. Uh, you know, this is you know, that's one of the things that we want to want to accomplish. We want to build a basketball program um, that the, this community, uh, Muncie, our the university, um, the community surrounding Muncie, and even the entire state of Indiana. Um, that we build a program that they're proud of, they enjoy watching, and can get behind. And, and uh, to do that, um, you know, in this state uh, where basketball, these people understand basketball, they appreciate good basketball, uh, they respect, um, you know, a toughness and a, and a grit and hardworking team um, that plays basketball, how we see it as the right way, um, and they respond to that. And so it's, it's been great to, to see the excitement surrounding our program. It's been great to see uh, the crowds increase, and now we get the students back on campus. We're trying to do some things for them um, to, to increase their participation, their excitement about what we can do. And, um, you know, that's, that's part of, of building a program, and it takes, it takes an entire village. And, and I think our guys are playing in a way um, that they've earned the right to play in, in front of a, a good crowd and a, an excited crowd that, that brings some noise and a home court advantage. Well, it could be uh, something where the crowd can help you tomorrow. I look at this Miami team, and even though they've had some struggles, they can't be overlooked. You look at the last week, the three-point loss to a really good Kent State team, and then they beat Buffalo. And uh, Makai Larry is a guy, obviously, that you have to be keyed upon. He had almost a triple-double last time out in that win versus Buffalo. What are some of the things that you're prepared for with Miami? Well, you, you said it earlier. You get it. You get to you know, you know, mid late January. You going into February. You, um, you know, you can't really take anybody lightly. You know, you, you turn on college basketball uh, night in and night out, and, and you see some crazy things. And um, you know, you, you know what what causes all that? Like, who, who knows? You know, we got to learn how to handle some success. We got to be able to um, continue to focus each day on what we need to do to improve, and then go out and perform that way on game night. And, um, you know, it's no different here with Miami. They're a very well-coached team, um, and, and you know they can give you some problems. You know, like you you mentioned, Makai, like he, you know, he's a dynamic player. He can fill up a stat sheet. You know, he's he's only five eight or five nine, but um, you know he he understands how to play and score at that size. He's got extreme quickness. He's an excellent passer. As good a scorer he is, he's he's he sees the floor. He he delivers it to his teammates you know, on time, on target, and, um, you know, they surround him with some shooters um, that can fill it up from three, and then they've got a, you know, a big post player that, that you have to account for on the on the interior. So, you know, we're going to have to be able to keep him under control. We've got to be able to control our paint. Uh, we've got to be able to close out the shooters and try to keep them out, you know, off rhythm. Um, the games that they have, they have had the most success, uh, they rein in a bunch of threes, and so we're going to have to be very aware of that. Coach, I'm just curious. Have you noticed maybe a uh, an improvement in the overall play of college basketball? Because if you look around college basketball as a whole, you've got a lot of guys that have been around five and six years because of the COVID year and, and some of the transfer rules. Uh, you've got a lot of experience around college basketball. Have you seen its impact on the game this year? I think you, you just see a lot of, you know, older guys, you know, and it's, it's really hard and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter if you're at UCLA and, and, um, you know, you're recruiting a five-star top 10 player to come in as a freshman. Um, it, or, you know, you're here at Ball State. Like it's really difficult, um, you know, for an 18 year old kid to come in and make a huge impact on a good team, on a good team. Um, and over some 22-year-old that's played three or four years of college basketball that really understands what it is, you know, and there's a lot of growing up and maturing between 18 and 22, and 
um, you know, I think that's that's what you're seeing. You know, it's, uh, regardless of how how much hype these players have when they come into college, or you know how how great they are, um, it's a different it's a different level of play, uh, and it's a different grind uh, each day. You know, you you know you you get into a college basketball season. I'm not even talking about the spring and fall and summer. I'm talking about just from the time the first practice starts until the end of the season. You're going to practice over a hundred times to play thirty games, and those things add up. You know, and just the mental focus that it takes to, to continue to work on your game day in and day out to improve, to make the type of impact. It's just really difficult uh, for young guys to come in. And I so I think that the older the teams get, um, you know, the little bit more experience that they have, I think that might be um, a little uptick in, in the type of play that you're witnessing. Coach Michael Lewis, Ball State Cardinals, I know your focus is on what's happening with your program at Ball State, but do you ever kind of take a peek and see the, you know, the former guys out there on the West Coast, just how great they're doing right now? I do, but I didn't take a peek last night. They're on too late. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was was in the bed, but that was the first thing when I rolled over this morning and checked my phone uh, to to get the score. And and obviously, I've got a great connection with that staff and and, um, a majority of that team. You know, I have, you know, I, there's a connection there, and so I, I follow them. I'm really happy with um, the winning streak that they're on, and you know, it's just like they they went through the same thing. You know, they they go through a whole summer of everybody telling those guys how great they are, and they they have two losses early in the season, and uh, you know, Mick was able to grab their attention, and and uh, they've reeled off 12 straight into the top of the conference. Um, so, but it's a long season, man. It's mid January, you know, and, and team's got a long way to go, but, uh, that's definitely a team that I keep a close eye on. Coach, always appreciate you. Best of luck tomorrow against Miami. Hope to talk to you again, not too far down the road. Sounds great. I appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate you. That is Michael Lewis. He is the head coach of the Ball State Cardinals joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline down at Worth and Arena. You'll have the Cardinals taking on Miami tomorrow. Miami comes in, and you, and you look at the record, and you think, okay, they're playing a bottom team from the MAC. They should be a heavy favorite. Uh, but it's a little bit of a scary Miami team because they kind of explode every once in a while, and they just knocked off Buffalo. It's a good team, and they just knocked them off in their last game. So they come in with a little bit of confidence and some momentum. We'll take a break. We're coming up on the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, plenty of things still ahead. We've got tickets to give away. Yeah, we do. Uh, let's go ahead and give away tickets. Which ones do you want to give away first? Let's give away the Shrine Circus tickets. Yeah, because we're just supposed to do Comet second hour. So. Oh, okay. Yep. So we'll go ahead right now and take... Uh, and so we're going to do the Shrine Circus tickets. It's four-pack to go to the Shrine Circus coming up a couple of weeks out at the Coliseum. We're going to take a caller. Okay, because we've done the text line thing. Let's take callers, 447-8500. That's 260-447-8500. And let's go with caller number seven. Got it, Adam? Caller number seven gets a four-pack of tickets to the Shrine Circus. You can call us now, 447-8500. You could be a winner with the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.